Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to Chatbox, where we appreciate life in all forms by hearing the stories, opinions, and thoughts of other people. I am your host, Kyle Guevara, and today we'll be tackling science communication. Today with me, I'll be having two wonderful guests. Our first guest, she's part of the Atenea Biological Organization and is the Associate Vice President for Bioresearch. Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to Dorothy Andrada. Hello, everyone. Thank you, Kyle, for having me on. Glad to have you here, Dorothy. And for our second guest, my batchmate, actually, and blockmate, a life sciences graduate from Atenea de Manila University and currently communication staff for the Center of Energy, Ecology, and Development. Ladies and gentlemen, give a warm welcome to Trisha Balan. Yay. Hello, everyone. Hello, Dorothy. Hello, Kyle. Thank you for having me as well. That is, it's just great to have you guys here today with like my closest friends. And I think it's a wonderful topic because the three of us are all very talkative and, commun- and we can, we love, we're very communicative right, in our own ways, which is perfect because today is Psycom. Now, first of all, right, what, what is Psycom to you guys uh, or science communication? Like fir- first thoughts or opinions that, that come up when you hear the word like what's what's the what's the first thing that comes up in your mind for me i think science communication is it's very broad it's such a broad topic right Uh, sometimes you just think it's just you know kind of informing or uh educating people or sharing what we know but it's it's a lot of things it can be it can and it can translate through like um different kinds of mediums so media sorry uh so it could be through tv for audio writing graphics and it's such a wide um it's it's kind of it's it's kind of like a wide area to go um to define so but maybe i think the general um like if we were to actually define science communication well for me i feel like it's asking um what do people know how do they know what they know and what do they want to know so instead of coming from a point of um, what do they not know and what do we need to teach them? It's kind of a more like grassroots, empathetic approach when it comes to cycling. Yeah, I think I agree with that, honestly. Um, I mean, trying to define what psychom is, it's basically exactly what it says on the tin. It's communicating science, but both science and communication are really, really big fields. So that makes it really complicated, you know? Because like what Trisha said, you're not just trying to um, educate them on what they don't know. You're also, you also have to educate yourself because communication in the end is a two-way street. It has to be a collaborative, inclusive thing for it to actually work, which is, which is uh, what makes communication so hard. And when you've got science, which is a very specific, very technical field that just complicates it further. So definition for science communication. Uh, yeah. Broad. It, yeah. yeah, it's a broad. It's a lot to take in. So it's kind of my take on it. Now let's lean on actually your points, the broad, but now let's narrow it down. Why is there a like science communication specifically? I mean, we take a look at history, right? The historian writes a book. It's absolutely clear, right? It's it's obvious. You, you probably read in your high school, but let's say I were to if I got my PhD, I wrote a research paper. Why does one 
very few people read it and two why do i have to go through the extra steps of probably hiding like hiring like a, a write a writing specialist just for this what, what, what makes us what makes science so just difficult to communicate i think for a lot of people science seems so scary right because it's so intimidating but maybe part of the um re- the reason why we have psychom as a field is that we i guess we kind of want to show that science isn't intimidating science is everything that you do even if you don't think you're doing science you're doing science right pretty much so i guess it is a field in itself and it's also like there there, there are theories behind it it's, it's completely its own discipline and maybe and part of why i think it's it's, it's own discipline is because it's so hard how do you condense like a a, a whole dissertation into something that's simple for a fifth grader to understand right so that whole process is is i feel like why it's it's such a prominent field and why it's a field that we really need right now to loop back into what you Kyle said about the whole history thing i think it's because for history um you can have a lot of witnesses you know to say that yeah this is what really happened yeah this is what i really felt of course i'm not trying to say that history is um yeah objective because again history is written by the winners and all that stuff okay but for science it's also kind of hard because you've got so many research studies that pile up on each other build up on each other so if you want to understand science you can't you kind of can't just understand this a small portion of it you kind of also have to be able to relate it to the other fields i guess other studies because it's a field that constantly 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 uh, builds up upon itself it's a community-based thing so uh yeah it's kind of hard trying to condense that especially because uh, science is everywhere so you really do have to try your best to understand how science works for you even in an everyday level maybe for you it's not necessary to know all the technical stuff but for somebody that's their job for you you just have to understand the very basics and even communicating understanding the very basics can be pretty difficult as well yeah so right right now i think um given in the time of a pandemic right so how 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 much importance how much more important is icom now than it was before it's it's an important question especially considering the circumstance of the pandemic Okay, so relating science communication now, now that we need it more than ever. I think what's important to understand is that this is ultimately a science problem, right? So you know how I manage I manage the soapbox project that we have in Box? Yeah. And one of the first things I said to them was, um, we need health, public health to manage this pandemic what we need is science to help solve it. So given that, you know, this is a, this is a biological thing, a, a molecular biology thing, you have to understand how it goes yeah. in order to protect yourself from it. Okay. More than ever, more than ever, you have to take your own personal action against this 
disease because it's so easy to get infected by COVID-19. Yeah. But I think what we should also take into account is that it's not solely based on us. You know, um, what gets highlighted a lot recently is the specific countries, the specific governments that really did well against COVID-19, about how their government officials did it. And what gets highlighted a lot about those government officials yeah. is that either they are men and women of science or they have the grace to listen to the scientists of their nation. So I think that kind of tells a lot. When you listen to science, things go well, especially given that this is a problem that science is intimately connected to. Yeah. I'm not sure if that really answers the question, but generally, yeah. yeah. I, I totally agree with Dorothy. Um, I think maybe, although, I mean, I think with the pandemic, um, I think science got pushed to the forefront. And uh, it's, it's something you can't ignore. You, like, as Dorothy mm-hmm. said, it is a biological problem. And so I guess it's relevant now more than ever because a lot of people have so many questions. They want to know yeah. so many things. But like, how can you translate um, their... How can you give them their answers in a way that would kind of affect their lives, right? So, I, I yeah, I, I, I think she summarized it very well. But yeah, I Thank think... You. Psychom is really important nowadays, and even more so with uh, propagations of fake news and all of these um, false facts that haven't been backed up, right? So it's it's a scary time, and it's a, and it's it's also a time for proactive action. Does that make sense? That um, it is overwhelming at times, but we have to be able to segregate the fact from the fiction and be able to um, kind of relate to people on on a level that shows or like on, on a very empathetic level on a level that kind of it's not once again it's not the i i know more and i will share it to you but rather can we both sit down at the dinner table and can we talk about these things and can we both understand each other right so yeah yeah something like that <laughs> segueing onto the dinner table type of thing then what 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 makes what makes effective communication then, or what makes effective science communication, right? So, probably the three of us, I'm pretty sure, being um, bio life science students, or for you, Shisha graduates, right? We've we've done our fair share of research work, and the question is obviously when we go on, let's say, on whether we're making a publication or a poster, or perhaps we're presenting to an audience. How do you communicate all these things effectively without just losing people's interest? Because it, 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 oftentimes you can see BBC, CNN post a lot of science articles, but they're less clicked than, shall we say, perhaps po- po- a political artic- articles or celebrity articles, etc. So how do we either communicate effectively or how do we just keep our audience's attention? Well, I, it's a very interesting question, Kyle. And I feel like it depends on your medium, you know. Um, and for example, the traditional media, so uh, headlines. You're, you need a very effective headline, but you also don't want a misleading headline. Yeah. Um, as we have seen with that recent swab test <laughs> um, headline that's been circulating around, right? Yeah. Um, but if you're talking about social media, then you're talking about uh, a different um, kind of arena altogether because it's grabbing someone's attention or like getting them hooked uh, in a very 
fast-paced environment, right? So I guess maybe if we were to make it more specific, um, in terms of design, um, for me personally, like I see like effective it, effective science communication really lies in how well do you know your medium. So for example, um, it, I guess it, the root is communication. So for example, if you're making uh, a poster, but it, their font is too small, or if the images aren't clear, then because you didn't, um, you kind of didn't research on the media you're using. So for example, if I'm posting something on Facebook, but then I don't know how Facebook works, how the ads work, how engagements work, then my, my project will fall from the start. So you really have to have that background first in, in the medium that you're, you're trying to explore. And when it comes to the science aspect, um, it's always, for me, at least maybe like a practical tip. Um, so you take the information, you try to interpret it, uh, or like you try to translate as best you can, but always have a second uh, set of eyes, ears, or whatever, because I get a second opinion. So after I make a publication or I make a PubMath, I usually have it reviewed by uh, someone who's an expert in the field or my, my colleagues. And then I also have it evaluated by uh, someone who's not into science. So I sometimes ask my management friends. I sometimes ask my mom. So you really have to be able to see how your work would, how others would view your work before um, maybe publishing it, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think just kind of piggybacking on that, making sure people understand your work. I think another aspect you really need to take into account is who are you talking to? Who's your audience? I remember back in high school, our research teacher, you know, we would have our research study, but most of our last year in high school was spent in trying to learn how to communicate our study to different kinds of people. So we'd be talking to experts in the field, but we'd also be trying to talk about it to our classmates. We'd be trying to talk to it to public high schoolers, to elementary kids to random people on the street, whoever we found. Yeah. And I think what's important to understand is that you got to see where the people are coming from. What do they know already? And how can you build up on that knowledge? Like what Trisha said, it's not about... Um, it's not about trying to pick up on what they don't know and you're trying to teach them. It's, it's trying to understand them. It's about trying to yeah. emphasize with them and kind of um, welcoming them into understanding what you're trying to say. Because I think we've said it a lot that science is hard to understand. So how you communicate and how well you understand who you're communicating to. That's a pretty big aspect of how to communicate effectively. And a, like someone from a different generation, let's say your grandpa, is not gonna be, may not understand it the same way that a little kid is going to understand it. Someone who is, um, who's from a rural place, say, might not understand it as well as somebody who's educated in a private school or an international school for, the, for all their life. 
people come from diff from many many different places so you've always got to try to understand where they're coming from so you can understand better what you can give them i guess piggybacking from then so to to, ref to cite you on the phrase piggybacking then <laughs> can we say that science communication is then opening opportunities or doors per se for i mean let's 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 let me let me give an example right so my cousin just dropped over today and her um, teacher asked her to make let's say a sample brochure about you know what farmers can do to in increase you know output for growth for the crops right so increased yields and the teacher was like talking about okay make sure the brochure has redox reactions but what 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 did, what can farmers do with redox rea reduction oxidation reactions right sure it, it it's it's nice to know how the growth works but does it really open up any choices or opportunities to actually you know what i mean because there's knowledge where you can choose to um you just know there's knowledge you just know whereas there's knowledge where once you know it now it opens a couple of choices for you to take is that what we're leaning forward towards in science um science communication like trying to make give people informed choices then yeah pretty much i guess it's in the end science is there to help people understand the world better if you're not doing that then i don't know if you can really call it science you know oh, man. it's true. gotta it's gotta be something that helps you it's gotta be something that helps people i i, I agree with dorothy and although i know there, there's there's always this debate between like applied science and pure science like some people say ah why do you need pure science they, they don't they don't really like you know if if is a fun like is a fun fact as equal as like a study on 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 covid or something very relevant to people right and and we argue that they're they're all they're both equally um and like you know pure and applied sciences are equally important but i guess yeah that that's that's very true that um you you take your you take in the information and then it's up to people as to what they're like you kind of give them the choice and they they take a very proactive role in in it right that if you present the information, uh, how can they use this um, in their lives? Uh, it could be as simple as, once again, like applying it, re uh, really applying it, or something that helps them move forward in terms of, oh, now that I know this, I can probably know more about certain things, right? So providing like baseline knowledge so that you can improve on it. Speaking of, well, now that we know that, um, or from what you guys said, science communication is a way of opening opportunities, right? For you guys, is there any particular um, current, like let's say, communicators that you, that you'd recommend for people to look out, whether local or international? Any either either Facebook pages or, or professors or basically any dignified communicator in the sciences. I have no other way of phrasing that in my head, but yes, is there anyone you could give examples of or for? I think if you really want to appreciate more than understanding science, you should also try to appreciate it. I think the best thing you can do is try to integrate it into your daily life. So for us, you know, who's people who are really addicted to the internet and computers and stuff, I think the best thing to do is just try to find scientists on social media. And, and you know, just, it's also much of trying to understand them as a person, you know. Um, but it's also seeing how they choose to communicate in a very informal setting because usually when you think of scientists it's like it's like oh i'm giving a lecture and i'm writing papers as fast as i can i'm gonna get a Nobel prize but um 
scientists aren't really like that. I feel like people need to understand that science is a community, kind of, of again, of people building up upon each other, building upon their studies. So, honestly, I'd recommend uh, Jason Tan Liwag. He's a molecular biologist, also a graduate of Ateneo. And, uh, hmm, I guess also Joshua Danap. He's the admin of Scientists Against COVID-19, which is a very informative Facebook page for the science behind um, about COVID-19. These are both Filipino scientists. So they're also very involved with um, the social structure of what science is yeah. in the Philippines. So it's nice to just check up on them and say, huh, so this is what the science community thinks of this certain issue yeah. or something like that. They're both on Twitter, so, yeah. I do agree with Dorothy, and I do love both of them. Um, for Jason, uh, it's so it's so great seeing him because he's, he's MBB, but also he's a theater actor, and it's all these things that uh, really science communicators have, like, different uh, forms and, and shapes, and they all come in different shapes and sizes and what, whatnot, right? So, you know, it, it, you can't define, like, singularly what a science communicator looks like or what they should be, right? Which is, which is great. Um, for me, uh, I guess I can just kind of recommend Outlet. So, Flip Science is one of my favorites. So, it's kind of like popular science, like, like the website, but it's, it's run by Filipino um, oh, wow. journalists and scientists. And it's just, it's just great. Like, I love, I love their articles. Um, and I also, especially for people who are looking into, or I, uh, like postgraduate studies or maybe kind of pursuing the science com field, Science Chat PH is also really great. Um, they have, they cover a lot of topics, but also I really like how they're trying to talk to people who want to further their studies and how do we go about that. And it's really great seeing kind of like this cooperative behavior of, um, we need more people in in this field, and we want to help you guys. And so, yeah, I would recommend those two. Oh, those are great suggestions that I'm now just listing down right now, and I'm gonna be typing in. Um, for me, honestly, I'm I, I'm not I'm not too familiar with the local scene, but obviously the usual answers for me would be Bill Nye. Bill Nye is just hilarious on Twitter, right? And he's been he's our childhood friend since for who knows how long. Um, currently, I think Manila Health Tech. I, I, the CEO of Manila Health Tech is, is also very informed. Currently working on, um, I think, COVID kits as well. So you, 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 I forgot his name, but you should, you guys should look him up. Um, I think those are the suggestions that come, yeah, clear to my mind. Now, um, on a more personal note, right? Because uh, obviously, um, although science psychom is a broad thing, right? Obviously, you can you can um explain if not communicate science in various ways. For you guys, what is your favorite medium yeah favorite medium for science whether it be i don't know is it writing would it be film slash documentary would it be graphic or something else entirely what are your thoughts or what are your personal favorites for me yeah. um i think maybe i'm i'm not i don't consider myself as like a writer but for me my favorite medium in communicating science is really graphics yeah, photography graphics. um essentially very visual storytelling, right? Because all communication mediums are it's they they thrive on a good narrative, 
right? They do. So I see like graphics and uh, the, the graphic scene, so graphic design, photography, videography, I think they're really good tools in illustrating um, uh, Sci-Com in particular. I, I for, for me, I feel like why I enjoy it so much is that I think from any walk of life, like if, if someone sees like a design or hear something or 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 you know kind of very visual like a very visual experience like even if you don't speak the sign language you can kind of understand what's what's going on right so yeah for me i feel like it it, it speaks to different people and i i think that's why i like it so much i kind of i really do appreciate uh visual stuff too since i also kind of dabble in doing creative stuff every now and then but I guess at heart I am a writer so I do have to be biased and say that I do like writing as my main uh, medium of communication. The weird thing about writing is that it doesn't have to be formal to be considered writing which is kind of what everyone thinks when they think about science and writing you know uh, research papers and whatever but the thing about writing is that sometimes something as simple as doing a thread on Twitter or a post on Facebook, that's kind of writing. And what I appreciate writing about writing is that you can go kind of in-depth into it. You can um, pull together a lot of different narratives, you know, in a story. And I think what's that's kind of important narratives because it shows how science isn't as um, cold and lifeless as most people think it is it's in the end just like any other field it's a field that was created by people and of course there's a lot of human touch in science as well there are stories to be told behind science and for me I really like um, how words how writing can delve into that these are very varied answers oh yeah Trisha sorry oh yeah I, I would just like to say that I really admire science writers and the way that they they tell their stories so I'm like like so great um but yeah yeah I, I I agree with I really agree with that um whole narrative right everything has to be a narrative because that's what really speaks to, and that science isn't cold and lifeless I like that no it's it I think stories help make science feel alive right so yeah I agree there I mean for me I I, I will I will be a third voice and I will say my favorite is documentary the reason being is it's my it was my childhood right because like Blue Earth like David Attenborough narrating it and if not that it's just because like I it's it's weird reading a science paper of family, but when it's a documentary, you all sit down like oh my god it's Shark Week. Okay, I just I don't for, for, I, I'm gonna complain I didn't like Shark Week this year. There were just too many celebrities in it. It just can we just have more scientists in Shark Week, please? It's not about the celebrities. It's about the <laughs> sharks. But that aside, it's you know it's it's what got me started right for me. So I think I'll say third voice video and documentary is the way to go, and. It looks like we're coming to the end of the show. Ah, oh, well, at the end, I guess, for our audience, is there anything you'd like to talk on uh, to say to the audience regarding Psycom? Whether it's to st- um students who are wanting to branch into Psycom but um are not confident about it, or whether it's scientists or 
researchers right now who want to communicate better but don't know how what, what would you say to them i can come up with three points um so maybe the first uh if you really want to get into psychom i guess the very first step is know your audience as dorothy said and as we've like kind of repeated over the course of the um, podcast that um, know your your campaign, your 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 article, your documentary, whatever will live and die uh, via your audience. Does that make sense? Yeah. That um, if you don't know what your audience is or what your audience will will understand or gravitate to, then you've lost your battle already, right? So kind of empathize. Uh, a uh, kind of tip that I usually give is that role playing. <laughs> so if you're like, <laughs> yeah. try to put yourself in like other people's shoes, talk to other people, learn like the 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 very key thing is you have to know different kinds of people, and and kind of immerse yourself in their world and what they know, right? Um, and then second, I think it would be if you really want to pursue it as kind of like an area of study, or it's it's really something that you want to direct your life towards. I think it's important to practice, uh, like to actually practice it, but it's also very important to understand it as a discipline. Um, communication, science, uh, communications and science are, are both disciplines, right? They have their own theories, they have their own um, processes. And so if you really want to delve into psychom, there is the practical aspect, which is getting your hands into everything, but there's also the aspect of knowing why do we do these things? How do people know get their information and, and processing that? And third, um, my third key advice is just, just start. Like, um, if you if you want to, to really get into the field of psychom, just just whatever. Think of something that you're really passionate about and and try to see if you can communicate it in a certain medium. Like, um, especially when it comes to the practical aspects, like practice. If you keep communicating science in the medium that you like, then you'll eventually get there. But always keep in mind that it's not just me sharing to you because um, uh, you don't know, but it's always what do you want to know? Like, what does your audience want to know? What are they craving for, right? Uh, what what will help them? And so maybe your job also is to kind of find an intersection between your interests and what others also want to know and yeah. kind of bridging that gap to psychom. So I guess the third, the the third, my third tip in summary is just get your hands dirty. You know, just just try it and see if um you you don't know what you could create, right? So sorry, that was a very long spiel. <laughs> Three points. Wonderful spiel, though, nonetheless. Very very Ignatian. <laughs> very Athenian. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still a student. I don't actually have a career right now, so there's nothing I can say that's practical. For me, what really helped me get into science communication is that um, you've got to understand that science doesn't exist in a vacuum. And science communication is just the one way, the biggest way that you can help bridge the gap between science as science and science is something that you apply in daily life because in the end when you do apply science there's always something social about it you know you kind of have to understand the ethics that go into the situation 
just as an example. You gotta understand how what how your science affects the communities where it's applied to. How does your science get understood by the people? And how can other scientists build upon your science, kind of? So it's not just about understanding science and letting people understand science. It's about all the different ways that people can make science work for them and helping them understand what they can do about it. Because we can't divorce science from our daily lives at this point. We're a very technologically dependent sort of generation. Everything that we have right now is, is possible because there have been centuries upon centuries of science to make it all possible. To, from something that somebody researches, from somebody who puts it in a factory, somebody who sells it, somebody who uses it. Science is in our daily lives, so it would help a lot. It would help scientists a lot more if you understand if you understand that role that science plays for you and how science can work for you. Thank you so much, um, Trisha and Dorothy, for today's episode. And ladies and gentlemen, for everyone, I guess, I think one thing we're going to learn today is that just talk. Well, preferably following this episode, talk science, but you know, <laughs> talk, communicate, ask questions. Yeah, or, get into you know, it, you know? Just, just start, just, just do it. Just do it, exactly. <laughs> Just do it. Get your sources, but just do it. Reputable sources, yeah. preferably. Yes, exactly. So keep that in mind. Yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Chatbox. I'm your host, Kyle Guevara, and thank you so much for listening in. Signing off.